everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hey podcast and today I'm joined by writer and poet Charlie Roy to talk about her debut novel The Broken Pain. Hello Charlie. Hello Alistair, thank you for having me. Well it's a, an absolute pleasure. Um, so first of all how would you describe The Broken Pain? When people like me ask you what it's about how do you do that? That's a good question. At first when people would ask me I'd go oh I don't know it's, it's about <laughs> stuff and life. But really, it's about families. It's about relationships. It's about how we are, we perceive ourselves within a family, and how then that affects us. It's ultimately a journey in in that in, in self perception. Um, but in terms of a narrative, it's the story of a young woman who has made a tragic discovery and really has to piece together parts of her life to understand why this has happened and then move on from that and heal. Yeah, it's I have to say it's a bold opening. That would be an understatement, you know, to go in that strong at the beginning. Um, yes. So what, why was this then the story that you wanted to tell for your debut novel? Uh, that's, that's a big question. I've always been someone who has enjoyed writing. I started writing back when I was at school. Um, I was I enjoyed school, but I spent a lot of time writing notes to my friends. And instead of writing normal notes, I would send them little short stories. And so I always knew I was going to write something. And when it came to having the time and the brain space to write a novel, um, I found that this character I'd sort of developed, and we can speak about that a bit further on, but I developed for something else and realized that the story I'd started telling wasn't one I wanted to tell, but I had this character. And I was really interested in exploring this person I felt very strongly I wanted to write about mental health, about young women, about families and relationships. And so that came about and, it, and I was very driven to write it. It wasn't as though I thought, right, this is going to be my debut novel. I'm coming out with this. It was more that I had this need to write this story and that has become the debut novel. It could have been leapfrogged, it never was, but that's how that came about. Yeah, I guess what I was thinking about was that you often have, um, I think debut novelists often have these stories or these characters that they've kind of carried with them for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's almost everything that you've got to this point that some people throw into that first novel, you know, and I wondered if that was the case with yourself. Yeah, I think certainly to an extent. I have a few other things going. I'm someone who always has projects um, on the side and various things, but this was the one that just, Kind of got the reins and we got going and, and that was that there was no no stopping me after a point I was had the bit between my teeth and you mentioned the themes of the novel or at least some of the themes of the novel and I said that you you're a poet as well I mean these are things mm -hmm. that are already covered in your poetry so these are things that are obviously very important to, to your writing yes absolutely I think I mean, things are changing. There are a lot more people writing about mental health and about women's mental health, because I think that is slightly different, uh, again, because there are other factors that, that are involved. I think all these things need to be spoken about and spoken openly. And certainly with poetry, before I sat down to write the novel, I'd been going to a lot of poetry events and I think absorbing not other people's stories per se, but the ideas and, and, the, uh, and that was coming in a great deal and certainly myself I have experienced depression and I have self-harmed at times and I certainly had postnatal depression after my children were born so these are things that I've been through and I really wanted to talk about um, unfortunately I also lost a friend by suicide and I think that these are things that, that need to be spoken about so all of that coalesced into 
this um, and, and to writing about it and that need to write about it. But I mean, just to be clear, Tam's story, my, my character, that is not my personal story. This is not my life story. My life was very different, but um, certainly some of the, the themes were there and uh, with poetry as well, it's, it's something I, I, I need to explore. Um, it, one of the things I take from it um, is that it's a novel, it seems to be if people read it, they will reflect on their own family and actually yes. it could promote conversations that might not have happened otherwise. Uh, um, I, sorry. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that it's something that will be part of a wider conversation that is needed. Um, I think it's definitely a novel that's a bit of a Marmite novel and the um, reviews that have been coming through so far, people have either said, I've loved it, I've really related to it, or people have gone, couldn't even finish it, it was too sad. Um, and I think that that's also part of it. I think it's interesting when people find it too much. And I think mm -hmm. that if that allows people to have conversations or perhaps to take it away and think about that, and not that that means that people need to go into a great period of self-reflection about their own memories and experiences. But I think certainly in terms of relating to other people and what other people might go through, I would hope that it might be even a small part of that type of conversation. Now that's interesting, <laughs> those kind of polar uh, reactions. And I guess mm -hmm. some people, people read for different reasons. You know, some people read to escape and all that kind of stuff. And perhaps, yeah. you know, with, certainly with a debut novelist, you're not entirely sure, you know, what you're going to get. I can't imagine mm -hmm. not finishing it. You know, it's, a, it's something I think that you had to get to the end to find out what happened. Um, but before we go into kind of more detail mm -hmm. of that, was it always going to be structured the way that it was? You know, because it moves around in time, you know, you move, but, but you know, you've got kind of present day for want of a better word than yeah. you back. And was that something that you always wanted to do or did that evolve as you were writing? Yes, and also no. Um, <laughs> um, so originally I had developed it slightly differently in that the, it, it was moving backwards and forwards, but not quite so quickly shifting between the time periods. So you had a bigger block of now. So for instance, the opening scene goes quite quickly into the past, but actually um, we went right up to, and I don't think it's giving much away, but what happens during the funeral, that was all a block. And then we had that then triggered some memories and that was then another block. Um, and also there was more from the point of view of other characters originally. Um, oh. But I felt that and that was a very early, early draft. And as I was going through it, I thought, no, this isn't correct. This is Tam's story and actually trying to show how other people see her doesn't work. So I cut that out. And that's when I started shifting around with the time period. And because one day my husband came into the sitting room and I had like the, all of it in paper all across the sitting room floor, all these little stacks. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm writing. So like, that doesn't look like writing. <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> I'm just moving the chapters around. <laughs> and, um, but that was quite early, early on in the process. And I realized that I wanted to follow, I think it follows a thread. It doesn't, I like, in my mind, when I was writing it, it doesn't jump around in terms of trying to be confusing. No, it's no. following a seam. Yeah. So that I don't think that memory is ever linear, which is a hard thing to explain, but I, my memory certainly isn't linear. So for instance, I might I don't know, smell a cup of coffee and then I'm back in a different moment. And 
and yes, I've traveled in my memory, but your memory works like that because that might then take you to separate moments. And so I felt that it's, it's a strange thing to say, it's not chronologically in order, but it's in, it's in order of memory. Yeah, that makes sense because I think when the bits that move back, it's often something that has triggered Tam to, 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 you know, whether yeah. a person or a, an event or, or, or a revelation or something like that mm -hmm. and kind of moves uh, yeah. back. Um, well, you mentioned um, that some people have, have said it's it's too sad, and there are scenes which are are difficult to read, and you know, yeah, rightly Absolutely. so, and um, they're intense and really strong emotionally. How difficult were they to write? Oh, so it's a really good question because in a strange way, they were very easy to write, which might make me sound like a bit of a monster, um, but it's hard to explain. I felt I knew Tam um, because of the way life is for me. I've got two kids and so on, and things were very busy and we moved house a lot for a while. And so I felt I spent a lot of time with this character. So when I came to sitting down to write it, it was almost as though her story was coming through me. And these were the, the following the memory of what had happened to her felt right when I was writing it, it was it was what had happened, I mean, to the character, but that was how it went. What I found difficult was then when I was rereading it, and I'd think, oh my God, that's awful. I can't believe I wrote, oh, oh no, I can't believe that happened to them. And I, and I remember getting quite upset and actually reducing myself to tears a couple of times. And there were, there were more than once I was tempted to remove scenes and go, I'm just gonna protect them from this awful thing. Yeah. Um, and in particular, there's one which is a Christmas one, which I took out for a while, um, not for long, it was a couple of days. I was like, I'm just going to take that out. It's too much. It's too much to happen to them. And I put it in a different folder. I thought, oh, no, it just it, it, it actually has to happen. Um, but it's interesting because it wasn't in the writing of it. That was hard that that flowed and it's very difficult to explain, I think, particularly to people who maybe don't write how that can happen, that you, it can just flow through you. But yeah, the rereading it, some of it, I just thought, oh no. Well, I, I've spoken to, to writers who say that when they write their characters, they're often surprised about the way the, the mm -hmm. you know, things turn out. And they're well, I can't yeah. expect that at all. That's really shocked me. And it sounds like that might be the case. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. And it was, it's happened to me with my poetry sometimes. Where I've kind of got into an idea and it's almost meditative and you just follow and follow and follow. And I get to the end, I'm like, oh, wow, that happened. <laughs> Um, and certainly with some of the scenes in writing this, it just, it was the story that needed come, to come out. It wasn't as though I sat down, but right this evening, I'm going to write a particularly different, difficult scene yeah. involving. That's not how it happened. It was more like, oh, I feel like I'm gonna have a chat with Tam this evening, which does make me sound like I'm hanging out with my imaginary friends. Um, but that's what happened. It just, it fell into place. Well, actually one of my questions says, uh, this is clearly Tam's story but was it a sort of collaboration between you and Tam? And that seems to be what you're suggesting, that mm -hmm. it was this kind of, um, well, as you say, it's a story that you felt needed to be told. And is that all the more stronger because you grew to see Tam as a real person almost? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's it's kind of, a, it's, it's a, it, as I say, it's a hard thing to kind of explain because to me, yes, she did it, she's in my mind, but she's also, real in a way and later on in the story for instance um i was ready i i had thought that we would go straight from glasgow to the balearic islands um sorry, not balearic canaries um i was right we're gonna go and i really felt like tom was going no no not ready not happening we're not we're not doing that right now 
okay. I think that's a really aspect of a really interesting aspect of the book because you kind of almost would expect that jump. Like we have to uh -huh. address this and we have to address this now. And I think a lot of writers yeah. have done that. But actually, you've kind of given almost um time for uh, Tam to almost it's a it's a cliche about traveling, but discover herself through traveling, uh -huh. find out more about who she is and and those scenes are great because part of me wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about Tam's time away and the people that she met and the and and the, the kind of uh, lives that she 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 lived. And it also means that when now we won't give anything away here. I'm not going to. Yes. But as it, the book reaches its conclusion, it's almost even more tense than it would have been otherwise because time has passed. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I, I would have made that leap straight away. And, and yeah, Tam, Tam wasn't ready for that. And so it was really interesting to, to follow this journey of her traveling, and as you say, the journey, and it felt to me as though she was, in the way I was writing at this point, there was a bit more, I suppose, direction from me, but she was trying on various happy endings. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's riding off into the sunset. She's changing her life completely. She's being these other people. Um, and I think the thing that some some people might miss is that really, even though the first half is quite uh, sad and hard going, it, it's about finding growth and healing. And she ultimately she's tried on exterior things. It has to come from within. Yeah. And and then yeah. she's 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 ready for the next step because she had to go through this. Just like trying on different jumpers, I suppose. I mean, that's a bit, being a bit facile, but it, it's trying on these happy endings. I took from it, um, she um, wasn't ready at that, you know, emotionally, purity, yep. whatever, wasn't ready. And then by the time she decides, she decides, yep. now is the time to do this. And I feel, it's, I feel such a shame for people who said, this is too sad, I can't read the rest of this, because what I took is, there is a sense of hope and a sense mm -hmm. of, I mean, it's not, a bleak book in that sense you know there's a lot of hardships that go on but yeah. it's a, it's about the whole book rather than just yes. you know what you get at the beginning very much so I think definitely it is a, it is a whole journey I think for me that was definitely a driving force and I think because I, I felt I knew Tam I knew that she was okay now yeah yeah I wasn't talking to someone who was still going through this in my mind it was someone who is okay now and actually in my mind I've left the, the story where I've left it, but to me, Tam is now actually enjoying a relatively happy life in what she's doing. I feel like, you know, she might, well, she does come for dog walks with me. She's kind of stopped doing that now, but we would, you know, go and chat and so on in my head, which makes me sound, I think a little, um, yeah, but that, that was certainly, she's not still someone who's struggling to cope with it all. There's been, there's been healing. And so I was writing it from that perspective, knowing that this was what she'd gone through. I was going to ask if Tam was still uh, with you, or, or can when you finish a book like this, can you just say, right, these characters are done now, or or because it's a it's a novel that stays with you when you read it. You know, it's not it's one of these books you can go, oh, that was great, put away the, the, the themes and the ideas and the whole thing, particularly about family for me anyway, really stayed with mm -hmm. me. And I wondered if it was the same for yourself. I feel like we've maybe lost touch a bit, but we're probably. I don't know. She's maybe now a Facebook friend. <laughs> I don't know. Like I kind of know that she's fine, which again, it sounds very strange, but I don't feel like I need to check in on her at the moment. 
yeah. she's a patient. And and it's a it's a very strange thing to explain about my imaginary friends that don't need me to send them a message at the moment. I'm like, yeah, you're okay. I'll send you a Christmas card. <laughs> you know, it feels oh. like it's. You know. I was going to say, we've all got friendships like that, you know, that uh, you know, time has passed, but I know they're all right, and that's uh, that's enough for now. Yeah, I have a new friend now. <laughs> <laughs> I've moved on. Well, um, well, maybe we'll come to see about your new friends uh, later, if you, you can talk yeah. about that. But going back to the characters, for, for me, it's a, it's a novel packed with really kind of memorable characters people that I really wanted to learn more about, but of course, you know, there's only so much time and space you can do. And a lot of them, to name just a few, Bugs, Nana, Mick, Mrs. Ranji, they seem really kind of fully rounded um, with backstories. And is that something that you gave them or were aware of? Because I think it's quite unusual to have, when it's so much one person's story, to have these characters around who are, have their own incredible stories to tell as well. I think to me, I, I felt I knew them as well. They they were they weren't just people who were filling a space. There were a few people at one point who there was a few extra characters who were, I suppose, space fillers. And some of them left early doors, and a few others. I was really grateful to my editor Peter when he said, "Look, this character, this bit here, we don't need that person. They don't reappear." And so there was, uh, from that point of view, it was a longer manuscript so there were a few that went that a lot of them like say Mrs Ranjit I can absolutely picture I can smell her food yeah. Yeah. you know in in the hallway and I, I, she's there and and I could I could almost write again because I like to go for a long walk while I'm thinking um I've got a, a very lovely dog um and so we go for long walks and I'm quite often ruminating all these these characters so it's not as though I'm just sitting down and writing them straight away and again with the the children and so on um, I'm usually kind of ready to go when I sit and write. So I'll think, oh, the neighbor, Mrs. Ranji, and I'll go for a walk and I'll, and I'll fully populate them and what they're like. And in my mind, I know not just Mrs. Ranji, I know what her, like her, her parents' story and when they came over and um, I know what the kids look like, you know, and all of this is that they're, they're real. Mm -hmm. um, Nana as well, like I can absolutely picture what her life was. So it didn't, I was just describing who they are to Tam, but also how I see them in a way in my head, if that makes sense. It does, because it made me think about um, uh, hearing interviews with actors who even for small character parts had built this backstory into them and had this idea mm -hmm. that when they came to make the film, oh no, my character would never do that because of this, 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 and they could build all that in. And that's the kind of feeling I got yeah. with a lot of these characters. But you said um, in an early draft, they had maybe their own you know, chapters of their own uh, yeah. Why do you think that didn't work? It just too many voices or just you wanted to concentrate on the single voice? There were too many voices was one thing, but I felt that this was very much Tam's story I was telling. And once I started bringing in other voices, it started to feel almost a bit more, I mean, not like a court case, but it felt like we were stacking evidence. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and that we were looking for the truth of what happened and I decided that we didn't need to find out the exact, exact things, because actually it is about memory and it's about how that shapes you and how that changes how you perceive the world around you and the person that you are. So ultimately it didn't really, we didn't need to know these other things. Um, and so that was why I thought we were, it was a better story. It was 
it conveyed more what I was trying to do by not having the extra voices. And with that in mind, did you did you really think, well, I'm going to start this again, or was the story the same? It was just going to be told in a different way. Well, I'd written a lot of it, so a lot of it was just actually just cutting chunks out, yeah. rather than rewriting them, because some of it were things which were told from two different points of view. Um, for instance, um, the funeral had uh, the point of view of Lou and also actually Mrs. Ranji kind of sitting further back. Yeah. And I just thought, well, we've told the story of the funeral. We don't need to read that three times over to ascertain what exactly happened because actually that isn't what's relevant. So in some ways that was quite an easy remove, but it was quite early in the drafting process. So it wasn't as though I'd already done a full first draft. I was still in the process of the first draft and telling it to myself when that all started to come back out because I realized, I think one of the big learning curves in writing this was that the first draft, and I think it's a mistake some people make, you get to the final full stop and you go, right, that's it, I just need to spell check. Yeah. And actually yeah. that the first time you go through it, you're just telling the story to yourself. You're finding the voice, you're finding the characters and you then have to go through it again, you have to. Yeah. Um, and that was a bit of a, a learning curve, but I was really glad of it actually. So it's not just uh, the, uh, um, the kind of refocusing of the editing process, it's more than that, it's a, it's a second draft or a third draft or however you think it mm -hmm. might. Yeah, I think it's akin to, I think everybody's done this, you've gone down the pub and your friend's told you a story, like, well, and you leave, and then about three months later your friend tells you the same story again, uh, but there's slightly different things and you ask slightly different questions and you find a few more details. And, and then that starts to form your view of it. And it was a bit like that. That makes sense. No, I think. Yeah. I've got a few friends that tell the same story in the same night sometimes. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, did you have a clear set of sense of how this novel would end? Because having spoken to a few writers, particularly recently, you're getting different ways about, you know, some writers say, oh, I have to know the end of it before I begin. Whereas others go, oh no, that's part of the, the joy is the journey of finding out where, where this is taking me. How was it for you? Did you have a kind of clear idea of what would happen? Again, a bit of both. Um, because I knew that the town that I was kind of dealing with was fine, I knew that she, she was okay now. Um, so I knew that that was her emotional ending, so to speak, that she'd found a sense of peace, that she had recovered, uh, well, healed. Um, and so that was a big factor in it but I didn't know the exact steps for that so um, for instance when when she does get to the end of her journey that scene originally played out a bit differently and I tried it in two or three different versions before finding that actually this is what feels correct especially for that character and that character having been absent for a large part of the book though we needed to to find out what happened was probably one of the ones that I felt I knew the least until I'd worked that step out um, and then there was a bit of going back in the drafts later on just to kind of ensure that that felt um, true. Yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of kind of going back and, and making sure that it all fitted. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the fact is, is that I knew, I actually wrote, I think it's the last scene or before last scene in the book was one of the first things I wrote when she's standing at the sink and, and kind of seeing clear ahead. Um, so I knew we were going to reach that point. Right. So I, I did know the end, but 
I didn't. <laughs> I was just thinking about your, your chapters on the on the carpet floor and working <laughs> out. Um, so did you write it then in a linear fashion or was it written, um, well, here's what triggers this and then you go away and, and read that? How, how did you approach the, the actual timeline of, of the novel in that way, in that sense of writing it? So the first draft, I pretty much just started, picked up from where I'd left off and kept going, mm -hmm. following that pattern. Um, and then at some point in the first drafting, I kind of removed some characters, but I, I, I kind of carried on the story as I was following it. And it was when the second draft came about that I was um, having to shift things around um, and move it. Um, and that's when I put things out on the floor um, and yeah, that was how that happened. Not entirely sure how to go from there. Like it's, it's a hard one to explain because then I did have gaps in it. So I knew I was kind of filling gaps in, but yeah. I was still going yeah. through it in the same way. So it's not as though I wrote the a new gap at the end and then went back to the new gap at the beginning. It was kind of all yeah. the way through yeah. each time. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think I've got that, but so the, yeah, you had your ending, and you but and you started your beginning, and in the process of that, you were kind of writing, filling gaps yeah. along the way. Yes. Excellent. It's just, I'm really interested in how people write because it does seem to me every single writer approaches it in their own unique way. Yeah, I think at one point I was a bit like I don't know if you've seen. There's a meme from a show called It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and one of the main characters has got this wall behind him with like lots of bits of paper and bits of red string joining things up, and he's got this really urgent look on his face, like. <laughs> and I think that that's a lot of times how I felt about it. I was like, this goes yeah. here. <laughs> I remember seeing a picture. I think it was Will Self in his uh, study, and he's it just post-its right across the whole of the wall and thinking, I don't know how you could possibly deal with that, but there you go, what different no, things for, for different people. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I think people, every writer's got their own process, which is I think one of the reasons why you can do creative writing courses and some people come out with a, a method, um, but I think everyone then finds their own little slot, their own little approach, and but that's what gives us, I think, such a myriad of different things that come out, of different, books of different styles of different approaches and I think that's part of the joy of it that each writer's got their own approach and therefore different things come out. And um, apart from aside from the amount of words did you find yourself approaching this in a very different way than you do in writing poetry? Was it a completely different exercise? It is a different exercise but in some ways it's tapping into a similar thing. I, I think I'm quite a seasonal writer. I've only realized this in the last couple of years but in the spring, I tend to write a lot of poetry. Oh. I just do, I just do hundreds of poems. I've, I've got maybe a thousand poems kicking around. I, I write tons of poems. Some of them are absolutely dreadful. Some <laughs> of them are really weird experimental things. Some of them are just stream of consciousness. There's like a whole, there are other ones that are really carefully put together and I've done like this particular form or whatever. I just, I write all sorts of different types. I write lots. And there's something about the spring where I'm just, generating all this. Um, in the summer I tend to have these bigger ideas I'm, I gather on post-its or in notebooks or put on, on, on my phone of like various characters and ideas and I start to have all these again these little post-its on the wall but in my mind it's like, oh, I've got all these brilliant ideas and then now I'm in that point where I'm starting to think oh yeah let's get into a bit of long form and I'm ready it's like a knitting project and I'm ready to sit down here we go I've got this character I'm I'm ready to go and so it is I think coming from the same place in me 
because I, I struggle to write poetry and at the same time sort of been doing prose. So it's, it's an either or for a few weeks. I'm, I'm on this project and that's what's happening. And it's definitely a seasonal thing because I get to the spring, I'm like, I can't possibly concentrate on writing novel. Uh, Too much is happening. Uh, yeah, whereas when you get to the winter, the nights are fair drawn in. I'm nothing better than to kind of curry down with my uh, my novel, basically. Yeah, my, my imaginary friends and me <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> um, now, I found, uh, again, maybe it was one thing that uh, when people said it was too sad. I wondered if it was almost too, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, too tense. Because as the book builds towards the end, the tension is, I found, almost unbearable. It's that thing about you want to know what happened, but you're terrified about what might happen and the consequences of it all. That's how I found it anyway. It really was um, almost a physical response. Um, how did you find that? I mean, I guess you maybe knew it might not have been as tense for you as it might be for a reader. Well, I'm actually... One point I want to say, I'm really relieved that you found it tense because at one point I was worried that there was no tension at all in it. So I was like, right, um, and I was worried that there wouldn't be that page turnability to the story. Um, but I didn't, I didn't try to engineer it. I just thought, well, I've got to just tell the story as it is, and as I knew it was coming. Um, but when I was writing, it's funny because when I was writing it, I just this is where I'm going, and Tam's telling a story, and so on. It wasn't until I think. Oh, we were probably at proof stage. I was reading a, a, like a, a book of it rather than on my computer or on pages and so on. I was reading, I was like, oh yeah. What was the exact next, I knew what the exact next thing was, but I was starting to feel it myself. So I thought, oh, this is onto something, but it never got to the point I think of being unbearably tense because I always knew that yeah. where Tam would yeah. be in the end. And, and I think that probably shifted things. And it maybe gave me almost permission to, to not string it out because I didn't feel like I was stringing it out but it gave me permission to explore what was going on and particularly all the travel and so on I felt I could I, I knew we were going to be at this end I didn't feel anything to rush it I was like oh, let's, well let's see what she does next string it out but a bit like having uh Tam go on her, her journey you, you, mm -hmm. you kind of um fight that urge that you might have had to get this over with anything nothing's kind of got over quickly and I think that's really good because it does build the tension and it also builds mm. a kind of um, care that you have for, for um, Tam and for other characters as well. Yeah. I think the fact is I was confident of where she was going so I felt like I could let her tell the story um, and what she did um, and I didn't feel I needed to rush her or the reader yeah. in, in getting to that point um, and I did, I think, in some ways, make sure, I tried, tried to kind of guide through and make sure we didn't spend too long on the, the journeying, mm -hmm. because I think that could have ended up being over strung out. I mean, I, I think, I like to think that what I've achieved is that you'd like to know what she did. Yeah. And you'd like to know more details of her life in the various places, but that you probably know enough to picture it and to fill that in yourself and that we didn't need to spend chapter upon chapter with more detail. I think, I like to think we kind of, it was okay to see those snapshots as it were. Yeah, you see enough to understand that she's changed and she has a, a confidence that sometimes comes with, with growing older apart from anything else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Even though you do, we'd like to know perhaps, you know, you're thinking there's no secondary 
source material here that can let us know how she got on in San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, that's all in my brain. But that was almost like, again, it was those long dog walks. My dog's got a lot to be <laughs> thanked for. But I am, um, it's almost like I'm like watching it as a film in my head. So particularly, um, yeah, when she's on the on the West Coast and and so on. Yeah, I was like watching it like a film. So I thought, oh, and then she'd have done this and she did this and she went here and and I could see all of that. Yeah. Um, it's like the, Nikki and Lou's stories all sorry. in my, the, my head, it's all there. You've got the version of the director's cut in your head. <laughs> <laughs> go off, absolutely. But so I mean, at the heart of the novel is a huge secret and the book examines how they can affect families um, even when they're told perhaps with the best intentions. Yeah. Um, did that make you reflect on your own family? I mean, it kind of made me reflect a bit on mine, I think. I think the fact is that all families have got secrets and I think all families have got people who've made wrong decisions with good intentions or who've had made decisions that they knew were a bit shaky but had to be made anyway. Um, and I certainly think that you can't write something like this without some amount of self-reflection. However, um, it wasn't me specifically looking into that or delving into that. It was more in terms of looking into how particular things might affect a family in general. So I was quite, one of the things that I'm not sure is as obvious, but it's certainly a theme in my mind was how the laws have changed for women over time. So the, the decisions that Nana had to make post-World War II, where she was really much, she was very much stuck between a rock and a hard place. She, she had the expectations of society around her. She had um, what was acceptable, what was legal, what was an option for her and where she lived and so on. And that forced her hand. And again, Angie's hand is forced. And she, she doesn't have control over what she can choose to do. Yeah. Um, and so my own family doesn't have big secrets like that. Um, but I do think, particularly looking back, say, at like maybe my granny, my great grandmother and so on, they, you know, they will have had their hand forced in certain things that they chose to do or how they chose to do it and how they then dealt with it. Um, so I do think that's something that everyone has. I think it's interesting to try and go back and look at these things with understanding and empathy yeah and you don't necessarily have to say right well that was a decision one or did you do that but just go okay you, you were maybe forced into that and that was yeah because it's not really about the secret itself it's about the reasons that the secret is told isn't it it's about mm -hmm. the, the the circumstances that all of the characters find themselves in and yeah. this was perhaps how they saw some kind of resolve even though it doesn't resolve it but you know as you say it's yeah. a situation that was forced mm -hmm. and I think that's something that yeah I, I mean every family has a bit of that yeah that's what I thought as well absolutely and as I said before I do think it's a a, a novel that would hopefully have people you know perhaps talking about things that previously they, they, they may not have or they may have, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kept, the, you know, yeah. about it for want of a better word. So you mentioned uh, your new your imaginary friends that uh, you've been playing with. Um, yeah. <laughs> is, is that some another novel? I mean, can you talk about it or is it very much? Yeah, uh, I'm still at the kind of, in my mind, it's all bits of paper on the wall with the red string and like, 
<laughs> at that stage. Um, but again, I think it's definitely a scene that I'm interested in writing about. And I don't know if in the future I might go ahead and write something in a completely different genre, but it's definitely the story of another young woman who is dealing with things that have forced her hand. But whereas in the broken pain, we were looking at young childhood. Mm-hmm. This is someone who had traumatic events in their teenage years. And she's at a stage in life where she's finding herself having to start again, as it were. And it might sound a bit, but she's kind of, rather than starting over now, she's deciding to go back and look at what had triggered her making the decisions that had led up to the point where she's having to start again. So she's she's going back to her hometown. Um, it's, I suppose, a bit of a dark version of those Hallmark films you get where, you know, young woman, things don't work out, goes back to her hometown, meets the young man of her dreams, they buy an inn. It's like, that's not going to happen, but that's a basic plot line of going back to the start. I don't think that's real. I don't think you can go back to where you came from. But she's definitely going to investigate that urge of going back to her hometown. Um, and But it's also going to look at the connections between people, because I think in your teenage years, you form really strong connections with people that in a way that you make friends later on in life or you have friends from before. But in your teenage years, there are people, everyone's got them. And whether they were your best friend or your absolute worst enemy, there's a something there which is almost primal. Yeah. I yeah. think. <laughs> those teenage friends, there's something, friends and frenemies and all of that. There's something that beyond, you know, you might not have spoken to them in 25 years and suddenly you're like, right, it's this person. And they have a, a, power's not quite the the correct word, but there's something in that connection. So I'm interested in that for this one and, and how those connections affect who you are. It's interesting, I think in the last, shall we say 20 years, those kind of connections, it's been easier for them to be rekindled because you've got the old social media age and things like that. Mm-hmm. But before, I don't think you tended perhaps to. Uh, no. You might have friends that you've stayed friends with all the time, but the, the, yeah. the frenemies, as you say, or the people that you, there was a reason that you, you didn't. <laughs> it's the reason you moved on. It's the reason you moved on. But I think that's really interesting because you. it's not just that you change everyone changes over that period of time. Yeah. Sometimes you have people in categories and it's almost unfair to keep them in that category. That was that person back then. And yeah. that's how I see them. So, I think it's an interesting thing to investigate. And I think there's quite a lot of narrative about the fact of, you know, going back to your roots is really healing and helpful and, you know, and, and speaking out these things that happened all the way back then, that's really useful. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. always quite as black and white. So I'm quite interested in that. And, it's, it's slightly come from, and it's not, there's no one in particular, but my school class from when I was at school, suddenly a year ago, lockdowns, et cetera, invited me into this WhatsApp group that had been running for about six months uh, with all, you know, they'd kind of be putting out the feelers and finding everyone. And it, it's kind of bizarre. Mm. <laughs> it's weird. There's, there's like a, a friendliness and a friendship that is a shorthand for something. And it's, I'm also sort of glad it's just on my WhatsApp. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely understand that. It's, it is an interesting time. And I think, you know, particularly with the COVID times, I think a lot of people were tempted to go back. I mean, nostalgia became huge. In, mm-hmm. uh, it's always big, but certainly at that time it did. And I can imagine that a lot of people wanted to go back just to escape the here and now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you kind of have this idea that teenage years were somehow less complicated. But I certainly know from my point of view, my teenage years were hugely complicated. 
yeah, <laughs> look yeah. back and I think, thank goodness I made it to here. I'm not going back there. <laughs> Done. But I'm I'm interested as uh, this new character. I think is that's that's what she does. She goes right. Okay, I'm going to go and try that again. And I think, but in the same way that you can tell stories in different ways, I'm still very much interested in this inner perception and mm. and how that affects what you do. So we'll see. Well, that sounds excellent. I can't wait to read it when it comes out. But for now, Charlie, thanks very much for taking the time to have a chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Mm -hmm.